think God created us to live a life of aches and pains and joint pain and disease and headaches and just all the things that we like top, you know, Tylenol and Advil for. I feel like so much of it could be mitigated at least with the way that we eat. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. I'm so delighted to host you today. So guys, right now we are in a series called For the Love of You. And this felt like the right waters to steer the ship into right now. And and not in the like, I don't know how that title sounds to you, but not in a way of like, let's just, let's talk about me and myself more, more like, what does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to prioritize your mental health and your emotional health and your physical health? And what do those best practices look like? And how can we make choices for our lives right now that are going to enable us to thrive, right? And to flourish so that our relationships also can, so that we're who we're sort of meant to be inside of the important roles that we that we play in the lives of our kids and our marriages and in our friendships and families. And so that's what this series is all about. Caring for ourselves in all the ways with food, with drink, with friends, with family, with relational health, with alone time, all of it, because we know that taking care of our jobs and our families and our commitments and our calendars is so encompassing that generally the last person we make an appointment with is ourselves. This is true. Like, I know there's been a lot of ink spilled about this. And the reason is because it's still true and it's not without effect. You know, I think the willingness to neglect our bodies, our intuition, our minds and hearts and souls for the sake of efficiency or productivity, or what would he would even consider to be selflessness because we're prioritizing everybody else. It has some pretty catastrophic results. It can be relationally damaging. Obviously it can be physically damaging to our own bodies. It can harm our capacity to innovate and dream. And it's real. This is a real thing. And so taking care of our hearts and souls and minds is important I don't know if you were following along this summer, but I had decided having just emerged from a year where I, I just came out pretty battered and bruised in the summer. I decided I made this outrageous choice to go to Maine for three weeks, mostly by myself. I had some friends come up in pockets and some kids come up in pockets, but I was mainly there by myself without a real clear agenda. My agenda was to find something beautiful and heal and slow way down. You know, I, I burn hot and I run hot. And so I wanted the pace to really grind down. I wanted to just see what that would do. And when I just tell you that the way I kind of felt my heart expand in those weeks, which I know that's a luxury, of course, I know that, but it taught me a lot about the, some of these things are possible. They are available to me at all times, no matter what my life really is. It is my choice to choose to be open-hearted toward people. It's my choice to prioritize sleep. It is my choice to prioritize what I am eating and how I'm experiencing the world around me. That can happen right here. And those are the lessons that Maine gave me. And the way that I left feeling just so nurtured has been instructive for me ever since. And so speaking of feeding ourselves with this episode, we really wanted to look closely at what I think is an enormous element of sort of this self-love puzzle that is either overlooked or overcomplicated, to be honest with you, which is our relationship with food. Food, man, it's been so demonized and so wrung out and mischaracterized and abused and I mean, we could all just fill a million pages on the damaging messaging we have heard around food and what's good and what's bad and what's off limits and how we use it to reward and punish ourselves. I mean, we are just in such a food spiral. I think we can do better here. I think we can, we can decide to resist all these companies constantly telling us that we have to eat this, but not that in order, you know, to whatever hit some weird goal. I, I don't know. I don't know. This is at this intersection is where I'm learning to listen to my body. 
I'm learning to listen to what she wants, what she needs, what makes me feel nourished, even what makes me feel happy, really and sincerely. And it's a new relationship with my body and thus my body's relationship with food. And I'm leaning into it in a different way. So I think let's, let's really tune in and listen. Let's, what is it that makes my body feel good? What is it that makes my body maybe react poorly? And then I spend the whole next day feeling miserable, right? That matters too. Our bodies have something to tell us if we can learn to listen. So I think finding that mind-body connection is so important. It's a wonderful guide and can open up a whole new world for us in regards to how to feed ourselves well in a world that's so overly saturated with the next new thing or this culture of deprivation, um, just so we can look a certain way that is completely dysfunctional, right? So to help us walk through how we can feed our bodies uniquely, your body, the way that your body is formed, what your body needs and wants and mine tuning into what we personally need as we are very uniquely made and then thus nourish ourselves with a lot of delight, a lot of delicious food. We have returning to the show for a second time, the absolutely wonderful Danielle Walker, my friend. So a lot of you know, Danielle, she's been not just my friend, but a friend to our community for years, but let me refresh you to her story. She was not just struggling with her health. She was in trouble. Like she was in hospitals and came pretty close to losing her life and had not correlated yet, nor her, her doctors to diet, to what it was she was eating. She was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and thus having gone through all these medical interventions, finally turned to food to see if there was something there, some change, some levers to be pulled around food that might help her body to heal. And spoiler alert, it did. And almost instantly. So we're going to talk about that because then this went from being just a part of her day to a whole life. Danielle has now built a beautiful, powerful career around this conversation. She has helped people across the world now create healthy, but delicious foods that don't feel restrictive at all, even if their health requires a restricted diet like hers does. So just from a high level, her recipes are entirely grain-free and then consequently gluten-free, free of refined sugars, very low on dairy, but trust she is so she's such a wonderful leader and guide. There's no shame here. Like eat this way or else. And she's quick to say, and she and I'll talk about this, that this is her body. Like she has had to figure this out uniquely for what her body, how her body responds to food and you will maybe different, but in her experience, she's going to guide you through what she has learned. And so this is powerful for any of us who have ever struggled with our relationship with food, who have ever used food to help our bodies heal from the inside out. Isn't that a beautiful concept? Who wonder if there might be a better way to counteract the aches, the pains, the headaches, the bloatedness, these sort of daily symptoms we've maybe just decided to live with. I wonder if there might be another way. And so listen, she's got all the receipts, every single receipt. She knows what she is talking about. This is her world. This is her life. This is her career. This is her voice in the world. I absolutely love her. And so will you. So Oh, happy, happy, happy day for me to get to welcome back to the show, my friend, Danielle Walker. Welcome back to the show. Genuinely happy to see your face. I'm so happy to see your face. I wish we were doing this in person. But I know. At least, at least we have video. And thank you. I was just listening to your most recent episode, and I think you said... For the first, this you were the you were your own guest for the first time since it started. What seven was it? Seven years? Is that four. how long you've been going? Yeah, no. four. That's <laughs> fine. Four. You know, I multitask when I listen to podcasts. But I was, I was like, I was on it when you were first starting. So here we are. So yeah, you're right. You were, you were on this show at its beginning, and what, however that episode was, I feel like I want to apologize to you because I did not know how to ha- be a podcast person at that point. Like I was still recording in my closet. I know you were in your closet and I was in Kezia's nursery because it was like, it was actually my closet that we turned into a nursery and it was the closest, furthest away from children. So I do, I remember sitting in there and I think we're both like, we're both in our closets. It was great. Listen, 
most of my community at this point, because we've just been friends for so long, like in front of them, knows who you are. And tons of them have been helped by your work and the approach that you take to food and health and all of it. But I've got new people since you and I have originally talked and it's been a minute. So can you just sort of, from a 30,000 foot view, talk about sort of your story and how you got to the point where you were like, I, I'm going to have to take this into my own hands. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make it quick. It is all very detailed in this new book, which I've never had a chance to do before, but I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease when I was a baby. I was 22. Ryan, my husband and I had been married for about like two months and I was having a bunch of symptoms, but kind of just like, Oh, it's wedding stress, you know, all of that ended up in the ER, saw a ton of different specialists before somebody finally was like, let's do a colonoscopy and found that I had ulcerative colitis which is an autoimmune condition that attacks your colon, even though it's otherwise healthy. It just like mistakes, mistakes the good things for the bad and just goes after them. And so after spending like, gosh, three, four years on just super high doses of debilitating medications that quite honestly, like the side effects felt worse than the disease itself. And then just in and out of hospitals constantly and asking every single doctor if food could help. And they all said no. But my brain just was like, this is in my colon. I mean, I was 22. I definitely didn't like study medicine in college. I was marketing. But I was like, everything I am eating is going through this, this place that you're saying is, is disease. So I'm like, something something is off. Whether like I'm not getting enough of something or I'm eating too much of something that might be, you know, causing this. So I just started doing my own research and I was like online at two in the morning on medical chat boards, which was like pre Facebook, Instagram. Totally. Yes. <laughs> you know, everybody like had their signature. It was like, they would type their comment and then their signature would be like their name and their, their like, you know, how old they were. And then it was like what their disease was, what medications they were on. And it was like this little like bio about like your, your medical history. And I started seeing people saying that they had reduced their inflammation and found remission through changing their diet. And so I set off to do, I tried a bunch of different things. It was like, I went off of like refined white flowers first and then went gluten-free. And then ultimately after a long process of figuring it out, went grain-free, dairy-free, and then nothing processed, no legumes. If anybody's familiar with like the paleo diet, even a very similar to a Whole30 kind of eating lifestyle, that's when things started to change for me. And I did an elimination diet and saw my symptoms decrease by like 75% within 48 hours. Within 48 hours? Oh, I didn't remember that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was almost overnight. Like I, I got out of the hospital. I was in a, like a, a two, three week hospital stay when my oldest was nine months old and couldn't see him. And it was just disastrous. Nearly lost my life that time quite a few times, but that time particularly and ended up going to see like a naturopath who helped me do that elimination diet. I went in to her office. I always, I always say like people with Crohn's and UC, your symptoms are based on how many times you visit the bathroom a day. And so, so I walked into her office at 20, I kid you not, 20 times a day. And it's just terror. And, and from, I'm like, I always say from both ends. I'm like, when you're that sick, I mean, I was, could not keep anything in no matter what. I walked in at 20 within that elimination diet. I remember like tallying it in my journal and seeing it at like seven within 48 hours. And I was like, holy crap, no pun intended. But like, I was like, oh my gosh, something is, something is here. Like something's working because I had tried every medication and nothing worked that quick and without any other side effects on top of it. So it's so like incredible and also frustrating to hear that story. Oh, so, frustrating. so frustrating that, that you even asked the question of your doctors, could this be food related? And even then nobody would even entertain it. No, no. They, yeah. They all said the same thing. Why? Yeah. Just... I mean, there wasn't, there, there was not still, and there wasn't then a lot of research on it. So yeah, I, it was very frustrating. I have heard there's been lots of improvement in the last 12 years since that was, since I was there, some doctors are, you know, researching it, looking into it. Lots of MDs have started to kind of move into the like functional medicine practice where they're really looking internally about like what's going on and not just slapping a bandaid over your symptoms with medications, which that's how I felt. I was like, I want to know why this is happening. I want to know like 
what's going on inside my body that's causing inflammation, that's causing it to attack things. Like what is an autoimmune disease? (laughs) There were just none of those answers. So it was really kind of up to us to just to try to figure it out and to not let it own my life. And you kind of had to pick through just a lot of nutritional landmines. I'm thinking like my brain is giving me memories of what I was always taught about nutrition, what you, you and I are kind of one apart, one section of living apart, but probably the same for you. Like I grew up with the food pyramid and it was like the, I guess the pinnacle of good health was to eat eight servings of grains a day. That's, that was the baseline. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like fruits and veggies, let's say one grain, please eat one loaf of bread a day, you know? And so (laughs) over the last, I would say even like 20 years, the different iterations of how to eat are just, it's mind boggling. Like the good news is that people are attaching wellness more to food in a way that's meaningful. The bad news is that it's confusing and it's hard to know who's right. I mean, somebody of it is conflicting, like directly conflicting. Right, right. Like vegan and the carnivore diet. <laughs> You're like, and everybody kind of has data to support. And so you were having to sort this out at a time when it was even less clear. Like it was really even muddier than it is now. And even though here your doctor saying, no, diet's not a factor, something in you knew that it was. Your instincts were right. I'm so happy that you listened. And so, what tell me more about how would you call it? It wasn't a nutritionist. Oh, like a naturopath. The naturopath. How did you find this? What did you think when this person starts telling you, here's what we're going to eliminate? And did you feel like this might make me feel better, but my life is over? <laughs> you know, you and I love food. Like we love yes, food. Yes. It's not like you're- We do love food. Yes. Like yes. I, I feel like that was probably good news, bad news for you. It was horrible news. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was like- I was already, you know, trying different things and had kind of like tried a few different diets to try to see if it could work. And then she like gives me this long list of all the things that I was like, what am I going to eat now? And, you know, I mean, she, she kept reassuring me, first of all, like this is a temporary thing, elimination diet, but there might be these foods that you find have really helped by cutting them out. And that is going to be a lifestyle. Like that's the long-term thing you need to, and that's kind of what she encouraged me too, was like, you don't, don't look at this like a a 30 day diet. Like this is not what this is. This is a long haul trying to figure out what your body needs to strive. And then you need to look at that as like, that is your lifestyle. But that mentality of like, this is just a quick fix. And then I'm going to go back to doing whatever I want. That's not really sustainable. And it just is not the best way mentally to be able to like go through that. And so, yeah, so that was really helpful finding her. I think I, my, my sister-in-law had been seeing her for just some digestive stuff and she had gotten her on supplements. And the way she described her to me was just like, she, she wasn't an MD, which did make me a little nervous. And I didn't just like stop seeing my gastroenterologist. Like I was still seeing him, you know, consulting him, but then seeing her to try to see what I could do kind of on the side. And just to hear that she like tailored something to to my sister-in-law, like based on her symptoms, based on, you know, like her age and her weight and that she was a female and what problems she was having. And I was like, oh my gosh, every single doctor I have seen has literally written like the same prescription. There's been no explanation. They don't care that I'm a 25-year-old woman and they're prescribing the same thing to like a 45-year-old man. They don't care that I'm getting all these terrible, you know, side effects. They just are like, it's, it was like one trick, you know, thing for them. And I never felt like anybody listened to me. And I never felt like anybody actually sat down and like heard what my symptoms were, heard what my problems were, and then changed courses. It was just always kind of like, this is it. This is the only option. And so I was like, this is worth a shot, you know? And, and at that point we were being faced with either getting my colon removed or this lifelong infusion drug therapy that was going to shut down my entire immune system. And then obviously cost us an arm and a leg. And so, you know, I was like, okay, we could give this food thing like 30 days to kick in. And if it doesn't, then fine, then we'll go, you know, back down that, that medical path. And, and the worst that can happen is it doesn't work. And then we go do the, the surgery or we go do the, you know, the therapy. And so it was kind of a last resort, but it also felt like the safest last resort because I'm like, nobody's asking me to take five extra medications. Like I'm just, I'm just changing food, which felt pretty safe, pretty safe to me. I'm like, you know, there's not, there's not too many bad things that can happen there. 
And then just to have such immediate overwhelming results is incredible to hear. Can you talk about that season where you realized I found the thing, like I found the thing, this list of things are the things that I just need to say goodbye to and sort of your process of learning to eat differently, learning to cook differently, even the way in which you eventually moved from just a very like depressing, restrictive approach to more like, okay, how can this be delicious? How can this be, how can I still live my life? How can I still love what I love? Cause you've really done it. I mean, you have absolutely done it, but we get to see you now developed and healthy and with all your knowledge and all your practice. And I mean, you know, this is your whole ethos now, but at the time this is new it's probably overwhelming. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I just can only imagine no, all of the above. Yeah. If you felt like, I guess I'll just eat broccoli <laughs> and water, <laughs> and steam, you know, steam chicken, like just, yeah. It's I mean, so sad. It is, <laughs> yeah. It was sad. And I mean, I have to like always remind people too. I was young. I mean, I was like a newlywed with my whole life. I'm type A, like very planner, right? So I'm like, I had my whole life planned out. I'm like, I'm going to host Thanksgivings and parties. And my grandma is like this amazing Italian grandmother who just always had like 50 people in her house and cooked all this incredible food. And I was like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of letting go of like the ideals that I had, a lot of grieving for a long time. And that's actually, I, I took me so long to commit even because of that just like mental barrier. It was like, I've seen this work, but is it worth it? Is it worth like, you know, like losing all joy and happiness? And I talk a lot about that in the book, just about what that process is like, like actually standing in a grocery store aisle, like crying because I flipped the label and don't know what half of those things are and what is and isn't allowed. And just that deep learning curve for a long time and then finding stuff that I could like actually buy, but then getting home and being like, well, what the heck do I do with all of this stuff? Like, I don't know how to make a meal out of this. And I mean, again, like I was so young, most of my cooking was like, I mean, the one thing I made for my husband all the time was I would take frozen hamburger patties, you know, it's like straight from the freezer, plop them into a skillet and just like wait till the like heat started to kind of like you could like scrape off the frozen meat and then dump dump a jar of sauce into that, into that and then boil some noodles like that was spaghetti, you know, and I'm like in that, <laughs> that was kind of the like extent of my my cooking at that point. So just trying to figure out all of that as well. And like, as a newlywed, like trying to teach yourself how to like, you know, like actually provide food rather than going through the drive throughs that we did in college. And so, yeah, it was a lot. It just felt like a lot at once. And and I did, I mean, I very distinctly remember that just feeling like, cause, and especially with the digestive disease, like the way I did start out on that elimination diet was super simple. I mean, it's like homemade applesauce and a piece of salmon with like salt, like that is it. Or like a burger patty with salt. And like, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like, I don't want this to be like this for the rest of my life. And so that's when I got into the kitchen and I didn't go to culinary school. I started kind of being interested in like watching the Food Network and reading some magazines, you know, as like I was in my early 20s, but I'd never created a recipe before. I mean, if I, if I cooked something, it was like line by line, I am not veering off because I might screw this up. And so I just got in and started like taking some of my grandma's recipes or my mom's and just trying to look and see like, okay, I can't have that, that, and that, at least what looks like that, you know, like can't have milk, coconut milk or almond milk kind of looks the same or almond flour kind of looks, you know, somewhat, not really, but like flour. So like, what can I sub in? I had a lot of failures at first. Like my, my sweet husband will tell you there were so many things I put in front of him. He'd get home from work and he'd be like, what are we having? And, you know, I'd be like all excited and <laughs> put it in front of him and he's like okay so <laughs> but again newlyweds and I was like we're not wasting this you are eating it I will do better tomorrow <laughs> that's right that's right this is the, in the budget this, buddy this is in, you don't have a plan b nope nope down the so, hatch yeah so that's kind of how it started going and then I started having successes and sharing them with, you know, at a neighbor down the street who had a similar, actually the same autoimmune disease. And I would like take stuff to my husband's office and let him taste stuff or they're like his colleagues and our family and friends and people were like, this is good. And I was like, really? And, and so I started a blog in what, gosh, 2000, 2009, I think I started my blog or 2008 maybe. Yeah. You know, in those earlier days of blogging, 
so that's kind of how it all got started. And I just started cataloging things as I would have successes and putting them up there with a, a photo shot with a, an iPhone that was pixelated and yellow, like under, you know, like, <laughs> did not look appetizing at all. But somehow my blog gained traction somehow. <laughs> well, because you were a voice in the wilderness, like, I mean, as you know, you you were lonely in that place when you were working through a diagnosis that even the most expensive of medical interventions was not even taking the edge off. And so it was kind of a wasteland out there for people who suffered. I, I know, cause I've been, I've, you know, been around your work now for so long and I joined you on one of, of your tour stops so for your last cookbook. But I remember like for me, you and I sitting in that room and it was so profound for me to listen at one point on your tour, you let people sort of sound off in a microphone, either say something or ask questions. And the amount of people who stood up and said to you things like, I mean, I'm not really exaggerating things like I have my life back. And then tons of them saying, you helped me give my kid's life back to her or to him. It was, it was pretty profound. This work is incredible. And I think for me, it's just doubled down because you've been so committed to find a way to write recipes that taste good. Like <laughs> that's the deal, man. I mean, that's it. Like I, I'm trying to think of something that you've Cause you've had to sacrifice. What are the things that you don't, it's no grain, yep. no dairy. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's pretty much almost no sugar, right? I mean, yeah. Natural sugars like honey and maple syrup and things, but yeah, yeah but yeah, nothing like refined or processed and then no, no beans, no legumes. So, oh yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. So gosh, yeah. gosh, I know it sounds like nothing, but then when I list, and that's what I was going to say, like in the beginning, I was so focused on the nose. I mean, I titled my blog Against All Grain, which feels yeah, you did. very <laughs> negative now. I'm like, it was. <laughs> but I mean, it was, I felt very lonely. I was like, oh, this is cheeky. I'm swimming upstream. I'm going against the grain and I don't eat grain. So like, but then I'm like, as, as time went on, I was like, this is not good mentally for me to fix, like focus on the nose. I need to fix, focus on what I can do. And when you really do list out everything that's left, you're like, oh, okay, there's actually a lot. So, I mean, all of those things gone. So, yes. And that was my focus. I was just like, I can't do this forever, but I know that I need to do this forever to stay healthy for my, my child and then my future children at that point. And, and I was like, the only way I'll be able to do that and make it sustainable is to make food that actually is enjoyable and, and make food that is nostalgic still. And that I remember from like growing up and that I can still have parties and enjoy things with my kids. And so that was like my mission my like original tagline was to eat well and feel great. And it was just like, I never, I actually think I might've had a tagline about something about not feeling deprived at some point too, because that's how I felt. And I knew that other people were feeling the same thing. Of course. And I just wanted to try to like, be that for them. Listen, research may tell us we shouldn't multitask with several screens, but we do it right. But I have another idea for you and it's way more fun than that inbox and it's best fiends. You've heard me talk about it because if you've been a For the Love listener for a while, you know how much I love this game. It's like a staple in my phone. It's one of those match three puzzle games. And it's really the best one, in my opinion. The perfect activity. Best Fiends actually might command your entire attention though. So you've been warned because this game has a storyline. There's like good guys who are the fiends. That's the name. And then there are villains, the slugs. And it, your fiends start out as, as baby versions of their future selves. And then the more you play, the more fiends join your team. It's really, really fun. And it's challenging. Like it's good for your brain. Good news also, every time you play, there's a new adventure and story to follow. And there's always new content. You're never repeating anything. And it's fun. Okay. It is fun. It's absolutely free to download. Plus you can play it anywhere with or without the internet, you guys. So download Best Fiends free today. It's on the App Store or Google Play. So that's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Oh, you guys, it's October, which means my team and I have been neck deep in scouting out the very best products for my annual favorite things holiday gift guide. Oh, this project is one of my very favorite things. Wait until you see this year. You're going to love it. For the gift guide, though, we are always working with amazing 
women-led small businesses. Like that's our deal. That's our metric. And I'm always reminded year after year, just how inspired I am by the good that these women are putting out in the world. So you guys, now is the perfect time to plan ahead for that holiday rush, regardless if you have a small business, an Etsy side gig, or if you're just like full-time momming it and wifing it and womaning it. Okay. Here's the thing. You can go ahead and cross off the post office off your list. Bye. Because there's this thing called stamps.com. So stamps.com makes it easy, really easy to mail and ship from your computer. So you save time, my favorite and money, because actually they give you access to hugely discounted rates from USPS and UPS. And with our new rate advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines so that you can find the best option. So when your mail or packages are ready, all you do is schedule a pickup or you can just drop them off if you're out. Easy as that. It's the ultimate hack. I am telling you, I use stamps.com for literally anything I need to ship out, return any of it. So you guys save time and money with stamps.com. And actually there's no risk with my promo code, which is for the love, you get a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. And there are no long-term commitments or contracts. So you just go to stamps.com, click on the little microphone at the top of the homepage and type in for the love. So it's stamps.com promo code for the love, and you will never go to the post office again. What are some of your, that you've discovered along the way now? Cause again, you're, you're deep in the pool at this point. You've, you've got so much experience around this now. What are some of your personal, like best flavor hacks, like the, the, the ingredients or the techniques, whatever that you have said, okay, the, these are some of the best vehicles, like pack this food with flavor or pizzazz things that you think I'm going to miss this but you have found a workaround and it's still just like utterly delicious. Oh gosh. That's a great question. I know. I'm just trying to think. I mean, I think for like savory stuff, I don't feel like I really appreciated like herbs and spices dried, even just your spice drawer for a long time. I was just kind of like minimal, you know, and I feel like you can, you can dress up anything with the right, like, and especially a spice mix. I have this, we call it, we call it my burnt broccoli seasoning, but it gets, it's roasted broccoli that gets super crispy, but it's the different mix of the seasonings that goes on it. That's like, you just don't expect it. Like there's all these different things that you wouldn't expect to go together. And my kids gobble it down. And so I feel like getting like playing with different things and combining things that you may not think, you know, otherwise would go together. And then I'm a big like sauce. I mean, I have dairy-free ranch dressing, like my barbecue sauce in my fridge at all times, because I'm like, when all else fails and you don't have time for anything, but like some ground meat and some vegetables, like just, just, just drench it in some hundred percent good flavored sauce. And then I would also say, I never really like understood the value of really browning something really well in like a good pot. Like I love leeks. Like I actually have a friend in the hospital. And I just made her this big batch of soup and I browned like the leeks and onions and garlic until they were like toasty because it just adds so much flavor. And same with like meats. If you just brown them really well and you get like a very good sear, it's just that like depth of flavor and the different like just layers as you're making something is, I mean, I used to just like plop, you know, I hated touching raw chicken. So I would only use the frozen like chicken breast, like, you know, like pucks. And I would just throw them in frozen so I didn't have to touch them into like a slow cooker or whatever. And and as I learned, like, first of all, like skin is awesome. It tastes amazing, especially when it's like browned and crispy and you just get past the rawness, you know, touching it. But I'm like, when you brown that stuff, instead of just throwing it in or like just throwing sumi in, you just get this complexity that's like, you know, you wonder like when you go out to eat, you're like, why does this taste so much better than what I, what I make at home? And it's because they actually like layer like flavor upon flavor as they're cooking. And it's, it's, yeah, like a game changer. It's so true. I mean, what you're saying is just good cooking because you did, like you said, you kind of had two pillars at the same time. One was just how do I cook? Yeah. Period. <laughs> how do I learn how to cook? Right. And the second one then is how do I cook with inside these sort of, you know, limits? And so yeah, that's just good cooking. And so you still get to have delicious food. I um would like to hear you talk more at this point about your book, Food Save Me. I mean, now it's not like you're not a writer. You've written all your cookbooks and that's a lot of writing. It's a lot of copy. It's, but this is different. You are now in the memoir genre and 
It is a completely different animal. What's it been like for you to like sort of grind this one out in a completely different like space? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, I wrote, I wrote blog posts. I've like written about our daughter who we lost. I I definitely would consider myself a writer, but not an entire book of words. That's what I keep joking about. I'm like, you flip through my cookbooks. There is a photo for every single recipe. So every other page is a photo. Like it's not all, it's not all words. (laughs) So it was really difficult to get started. And then as you know, I mean, when you're like burying your soul and you're digging up past really like hard traumatic times to try to then be able to illustrate, you know, how I was able to come out of those, what I learned from those things, like the, the after part writing, that kind of stuff is fine. But as you're sitting there writing, for instance, my two weeks that I spent in a Ugandan hospital, and as I'm actually reflecting now as like a 36 year old with three children, which at that point I was just this dumb, like. 22-year-old naive child who didn't know anything about my disease, didn't know anything about traveling that far, just had no idea, you know, what that all entailed and how sick I was. And I look back now and like, oh my gosh, I could have died in Uganda. And at that point, I just was like, you just, you just don't know those things when you're young. So, you know, like writing about that process, but then also getting to remember and dig up some of the things like the doctor who cared for me there was the first one who talked to me about healthy gut bacteria. Like of all places to start to learn about actually how to take care of my body from the inside out, God took me all the way to Uganda. And I'm like, you know, it's just so I, I, I think it was good and really cathartic for me to be able to look at the last 12 years of my life and see just how much God has been there because I talk a lot about it in the book. I grew up with like a very conservative kind of Christian upbringing, just never really had my faith as my own. It was just because it was like, this is what you do. (laughs) And even like the shame and guilt side of things, like if I didn't, then, you know, like that kind of thing. And so I talk a lot about in the book about how like being diagnosed that early, you know, spending so many years sick, nearly losing my life multiple times and also losing our daughter just caused my faith to just like... (laughs) crumble and how I'm still in the process of reconstructing it to be something that's more true to me and and my experiences and what I've seen. And so even just getting though to write and like dig up some memories to see like, oh wow, like actually God might God might have been there. Like Jesus might have been with me through those things and it aligned these things at these times that I couldn't see in those like dark murky times. And sometimes, you know, like seeing it afterwards is what we need. And so I joked for a while. I'm like, even if nobody else reads this book, it's probably good for, I'm like, it was helpful for me, but yeah, it was a process. And then not to mention the book was like, not done, but like very much kind of flowed out like chapters. And then I ended up in the hospital for the first time in a decade. And so at that point book was titled, you know, it was like, had this whole other ending that was going to be like, I haven't been in the hospital for 10 years. I haven't had to be on steroids for a decade. You know, all like just, I kind of felt like I finally had it figured out. And then I had one of the worst setbacks I've ever had. And everything I felt like I knew and was trying to teach to others was brought into question. I sat in that hospital for three weeks and then for like four months at home trying to recover and was like, I don't even know if I want to write this book anymore. Like, I don't know if it's still, if I still believe it. I don't know if, you know, everything was that I've experienced up to this point with food and how much it's helped heal me was just like a fluke and it doesn't actually work because at that point it felt like not only had like the food failed me, but my body failed me and just, you know, all of the above. And people started writing in, you know, I mean, some of those stories that you said, but started writing in as I was in the hospital and just reiterating and telling me all their stories about how much my recipes had helped save and change their lives in the last decade. And I had to just tell myself just because I hit a speed bump does not negate That's right. everything that's happened in the last 10 years. And that's so right. writing it after the fact was, was so good for me because I learned, I like relearned some of the things that I had learned along the way with every, you know, every like setback and flare up, I came out knowing different things about how to help my body. And to be able to read about all of those again was, was really helpful for me just like to kind of reset and be like, no, no, this worked. And and that not only that, but I talk a lot just about how food not only, you know, like saved my life during that time physically, but just how much joy it's brought and how it saved me in so many different ways. I mean, getting to write these cookbooks and like have a career come out of it and getting to meet all these people and hear these miraculous stories and getting to host things and, you know, just all of that 
the title took on a different meaning as I, after I like emerged from that hospital and and kind of, you know, looking at it in a different way. Totally. Gosh, I would never have wished that setback on you. And I know how hard that was on you. Of course, I can only imagine though, that this adds a little bit of depth to your, to your story now inside the book, even because the truth is setbacks are not uncommon. You know, I mean, it's not a foolproof or a fail-proof approach, you know, when our bodies have a million fluctuating elements. And so to me, if anything, it has also made your story a little bit more accessible so that your readers who experience similar issues or symptoms or diagnoses can now, it lifts a little bit of pressure. And at first I didn't feel that. At first I'm like, I have imposter syndrome and all these people are telling me that they're off of medications and that they're thriving. And then I'm, I'm sitting here in a hospital bed, having to go on these, you know, heavy medications to, to be able to like manage and save my life. And yeah, I mean, it, it taught me a lot too. I like I, the, 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 the title of your series right now. I think that was one element that was added to the book after the fact, because I was, I mean, I was going, there were so many uncontrollable, you know, kind of factors, but then also controllable in the sense that like, I did three book tours that year and I slept on a bus for weeks and I like, you know, just we moved houses and I just was going, going, going and kind of had that mindset of like, I'll slow down when, you know, and, and so I talk a lot about that in there too, of that you can eat so, so, so well, but like, if you're not taking care of, you know, your mental, your emotional, your physical, everything, all, I mean, there's so many facets to our life. Like I quit counseling. I mean, I was like, there were lots of things that I'm like, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that I needed to do to take care of myself in like a whole, you know, like in the wholeness, uh, you know, your wellness. And it's not just the food I was putting in my body. It's sleep. It's counseling. It's processing trauma. It's, you know, getting exercise, all of it. Like it's, there's, it's all important. It is. I love to hear you say that. Yeah. That's great. That like rounds out your instruction and your mentorship into me a way that feels even more true more possible, like more healthy. Cause you're so right. That's, that's one line item yeah. in a healthy life, an important one, yeah, a huge right, one, right. but one, Yeah, you know, that I can understand the imposter syndrome too. I, I wish that becoming like a, a voice inside our fields meant that everything always then went perfectly for us, <laughs> that somehow we became immune yeah. to setbacks. And I mean, you, you can, you, this, you know, this is my work kind of in my space for women. And then to ha- to go through a divorce, right. I'm right. like, well, I've been talking about like healthy relationships and marriage forever. Like, so I get it. Like these are the places that we care about, that we're working hard on, that we prioritize, that we can even lead well inside of in integrity. And it doesn't mean we're not human. It doesn't no, mean we right. don't in life. Yep. And so I am, I find like with somebody like you, Danielle, who, and you do a really good job of leading vulnerably, like you don't hide all that away. Right. You could, but you don't, you share it. It actually draws me to you as a leader. It doesn't push me away at all. To me, I don't look at that and go, Oh, she, she didn't really know what she was talking about. After all, <laughs> this must be a scam. It's the opposite. I, I see it in its fullness and I see you as a human being. And that actually makes me trust your leadership more, not distrusted. And I think that's just something I've learned the longer I've gone at this deal, yeah. which is that authenticity feels scary, but it's actually it's strength, yeah. not just for you, but for the people listening, right? Because yeah. you're still continuing to just hear back probably constantly, yeah. right? From your community about what your work has meant to them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We actually got to include 400 stories in the book. So like when you open up the front cover of people submitted, they're like food saving stories. And some of them, I mean, just nothing short of miracles. I mean, it's pretty crazy, like out of a wheelchair or, I mean, just like all these amazing stories. And I was so excited to just get to share them because I mean, I started just thinking that what I was doing was only for Crohn's or colitis, right? Like, I'm like, oh, this is digestive. Like, it makes sense. And then over the years, it's just been everything, like, just run the gamut from like debilitating migraines to rheumatoid arthritis to MS. To, I mean, just so many things psoriasis, skin issues, lupus. Like, I just, every time somebody submits a new story or DMs me or comes up to me at like a book signing, I just am like, 
in awe that it could help so many, so many different things. And I'm just like, so humbled and thankful that I even get to be a part of that because like, I didn't, I had no idea going into it, but that's, Like, I thought I was just going to help this like little subset of people who had what I had. And so the fact that it's, that it's grown into so much more and that so many people have found healing or at least like some sort of relief, you know, from their symptoms is huge. So special. Yeah. And I was, you know, just what you said about you and what you've gone through and when I decided to share when I was in the hospital. Yeah. I mean, I had two choices. I could have just totally covered that up and then emerged and been like, fine. Right. And that would have been so that people didn't feel like food couldn't help. Cause that was my biggest concern. I'm like, what if people see me sick? And then they just think this thing is a sham, like you said. And I knew in my heart that it could work. So I was like, I don't want people to not believe in it just because I'm sick. But then I started to think about how many people are out there watching me, watching you who are struggling, you know, and, and they're feeling super isolated and lonely or like a failure. And so whatever we go through sharing it, like there's now women who are watching what you've gone through, who have been through that or who are going to go through that in five years, but don't know it now. Like that's, you know, sharing our story about our daughter. That's one thing that keeps coming up. Like I read your story about you losing your daughter seven years ago. And last week I lost my baby girl and I had no idea when I was watching you go through it, that I was going to ever be there. Right. And so I think just choosing to be vulnerable and honest in the moment, you never know what kind of long-term impact it can, it can have on people watching. A hundred percent same. And I think our willingness to be authentic and transparent is contagious. I think we pass it on to our communities and they pass it on. I think it has a profound ripple effect on our communities. And I believe in it, even though it's a scary way to live, I believe in the power of that truth. I want to ask you one more question before we sort of land the plane here. One thing that I have always taken away from your story that even though I don't have, you know, the same need for that sort of, you know, restriction on my diet, as you well know, but what I share with you and what I'm, what I learned from you, and I think it's really important. And again, you're setting an important example for everybody watching is this sense of listening to our bodies. I didn't grow up in a construct that said my body had anything to tell me only that this was a pretty rough container. And (laughs) I just, it was going to carry me around on this earth until one day mercifully I could shed it and go to heaven. Like that's, and even more so that my body couldn't be trusted Yeah, that if I thought it or felt it or an instinct was probably something was wrong with that. And so one thing that you have really done from the get-go is you listen to your body. You, you prioritized your own instincts, even against like medical advice, (laughs) but in a way that had profound consequences for you. So I wonder if you could just talk about that for a minute, how developing that kind of relationship and honoring our body's internal cues can really lead us into flourishing. I mean, yeah, I was the same way. And I think it was definitely not the first, it wasn't my first instinct to think like everything I'm putting in could be having this, you know, potential effect. And so I think I'm grateful in the sense that I had a digestive disease because it was kind of like this immediate, you know, thing, but everybody else that I talked to too, it's just, it's actually watching. I think food is kind of the last place that we look to. I mean, I even remember when I was like nursing babies and they would have a problem, you know, like a rash or they were colicky or whatever, like we didn't really think about the food, but then now like moms are starting to realize, Oh, what if I cut this out? Like, and it actually can help them. And so as much as I like resisted and resisted at the beginning, I ended up keeping a food journal and just actually just recording really briefly. Not I'm like, was not counting calories or like weighing things. It was literally just like, I ate asparagus today. (laughs) I ate whatever, you know, and then watch the next day. And if I'm like, you know, I've got this, this and this symptom. And then I would record more days. Right. And I would like be able to start to kind of draw these, these correlating lines to like, Oh, well I ate this on Monday and I had this symptom Tuesday. And then the next week, I ate that same food on Wednesday and had the same symptom on Thursday. Like, could there be, you know, something there? And so while it was tedious, it was actually really like enlightening to see like, oh my gosh, you know, like everything that I am eating really is having this impact, especially on my day-to-day symptoms. And I, and I relearned that even with this last flare up was just like, I could control the severity of my day-to-day symptoms. I couldn't get rid of the flare up, but what I ate day-to-day would, would completely dictate how I was feeling the next day. 
my two like taglines that I have always said is you have to listen to your body because again, like somebody might've found full relief and healing from being vegan. Somebody might've found, right. And I'm like, but they did that and they listened to their bodies and they figured that out. Somebody might've found, you know, full remission and relief by eating meat and meat only. Like there's just, you know, and they had to figure that out. And so I don't feel like there's, there's a one size fits all. I think, you know, what, I think what I, what the way I eat is inherently anti-inflammatory. So I think it's a great starting point, but I also had to learn the hard way because there was this one diet that I was following that said I could eat dairy, it said I could eat a few things and, you know, and it worked for a lot of people. And so because it works for them, I was like blinders, I'm doing this by the book, you know, and I, I wasn't paying attention to how my body was reacting to that. And so I had to figure out the nuances of like, nope, my body doesn't like dairy. So I can follow the rest of that. But like, you know, I can't eat that or there's people that are allergic to nuts and I use almond flour. So it's just like really figuring out, I think, what works best for you and for your body and, and your body. I mean, it does. It talk, it tells you <laughs> like, the it ache, sure does. you know, I mean, I always say I'm like, I don't think God created us to live a life of like aches and pains and joint pain and disease and headaches and just all the things that we like pop, you know, Tylenol and Advil for. I feel like so much of it could be, you know, mitigated at least with the way that Absolutely. we Absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's so liberating. Yeah. Cause I, you know, again, kind of like we, you said a second ago that we didn't necessarily attribute our baby's fussiness, just what we ate the night before. I don't know that we have a different way to understand our achy joints right? right. or all the ways that we just kind of go, I guess I'm just old. I just, yeah. But just, what if it is life. more? Yeah. Yeah. What if it's just more, what if we can really use food to heal our bodies? It's really profound and you are in good company, which probably is affirming to you just to watch this conversation continue to grow in ways that to me feel healthy and not like it all felt maybe 20 years ago, which is kind of like pop nutrition psychology and it was all a new one was popping up every day right but this right. just feels true yeah it just yeah. feels like this is just how food works yeah and this is yeah. how the body works yeah and so you know I think you're kind of on the front edge of this and it's going to be exciting to watch it continue to develop and how people kind of come behind you and add to it and expand yeah. what's possible community. I recently shared that church feels complicated for me right now, like not Jesus, but church. And it struck a chord because so many of you messaged and commented and shared that you're just in a similar place. Jesus, I know and believe is near and good and dear wherever you are and however you are, but maybe prayer even feels complicated or new or hard to right now. So here's a little something I want to encourage you with. Sarah Young, the best-selling, most wonderful author who wrote Jesus Calling, which by the way, has sold more than 35 million copies around the world. Sarah recently sent me a copy of her new 365-day prayer devotional called Jesus Listens. And it just hit the shelves. And it's really and truly a gem. What I love about Jesus Listens is that it's written from the vantage point of you praying to God. So whether you're new to the practice of prayer or you have been praying for years, Jesus Listens is created to lead you into a deeper, richer, truer, and more continual conversation with God. Um, so you can get Jesus Listens anywhere books are sold. This is actually perfect timing for early Christmas shopping, stocking stuffers, a gift for your friends or your family, or honestly, for yourself. It's a good one, beloveds. Okay, I want to ask you, we're wrapping it up, and this is little quick questions I'm asking everybody in the, for the love of you series. So just kind of top of your head. Here's the first one. What's the number one, or maybe one of your favorite things you do to personally like honor yourself? Sleep, I would say. And a massage. I like, I love a good massage. And that is like my splurge just to get those. But yeah, sleep. I just know that my symptoms, I mean, when I'm sick, like I'm, I'm in remission right now, but if I am having symptoms, it can be completely affected by how much sleep I get. And so I mean, somebody asked me the other day, they're like, are you a night owl or a morning person? I was like, neither. 
like I like I go to bed around nine thirty or ten, and I get up at seven thirty. So, and I would I would sleep later if I didn't have young kids. But prioritizing my sleep, and when I'm yeah. sick, like actually putting it in my calendar. Because I mean, we work full time. We also have employees. Like I will block out an hour in my calendar in the afternoon for a nap when I'm not feeling well. Oh, because good for you. I just know that I won't do it because I'll push myself, and I know that I'll feel uh-huh. it if I don't. So sleep. I would say sleep. That's probably the biggest one. Oh, that's I a mean, good answer. Aside from food, obviously, because that's like my thing. It's but. a really good answer. <laughs> that's again, that's one of those things most of us push to the side. I know. Like, well, especially as mothers too. I'm like, we just kind of sleep in uh-huh. when we can, but yeah. Yeah. I really love that answer. Okay. Here's the next question. You're forced to answer it. Okay. <laughs> If you were just going to pick, it doesn't have, this isn't the only thing, but you're going to pick one thing, maybe your favorite thing or something that feels special to you, maybe even just right now in this season, uh-huh. what is something that you just personally really like love about yourself? Like in, in any category, like just something you're like, this thing about Danielle is a thing that I love. Oh gosh. I think that I love friends really well. It has become mm, you do. very apparent in my like thirties that it's not reciprocated very often. <laughs> and that's actually been a hard thing for me to, because I go like, I go hard for friends and I have to just realize that that's not the way that everybody is. But I think, yeah, I feel, I, I feel that's a, a good trait that I really value. And, and that I like, I'm just, when I, I don't have very many friends, I really don't, <laughs> but the ones that I do, I'm like, I am all in for them and I will do, I will bend over backwards and do anything to like, make them feel loved. So. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big, loudly affirm from over here in Texas. <laughs> and then this question, I asked you this the first time around, I should have gone back and looked at our transcript to see what you said. Cause I don't remember, Yeah, but it's that last question I always ask, which is, you know, what's saving your life right now? Oh man. I think I told you my honest mascara last time. I'm pretty sure. Cause I feel oh like God, I've answered hilarious. that same thing. Cause I like it still. It's like my favorite mascara. <laughs> my hilarious. life right now. Oh my gosh. Baking, I feel like baking chocolate, you know, like like just doing the brownies, the cookies, all of that. Like if I can baking with my kids. And then just like finding a just a checkout TV show at the end of the night. So yeah, that like just checking out moments with everything that's happening in the world right now, that's saving my life. You know I understand. I this. know it's mindless. mindless. Sometimes you need it. But yes, I say the yeah, same thing. Our days aren't mindless. Our days are busy. And no, we, I, I, want, I, I, I crave mindless yes. at night with all my beings. And not so heavy. Yeah. For yeah. saying that. Can you just really quickly remind everybody where they can find you and uh, the book and your stuff and your, all of it, all the things, all the things, Danielle. Yeah. I'm mostly on Instagram, Danielle Walker, uh, four cookbooks that you can find anywhere. Books are sold. And then food saved me is out on shelves. And then Danielle Walker, daniellewalker.com, like just for thousands of free recipes. They're all, all there. Oh my gosh. So many recipes. Well, Thanks I'm just such, me. you know, I just love you. Love I you. Love you. Yeah. Can't wait till we can actually like be in person again. soon. We're almost there. I know. We're almost there. I know. I know. I know. Okay. Bye. Hey, my friend. See ya. Ah, if you're new to Danielle, aren't you excited to know her? Follow her everywhere. Her cookbooks are incredible, incredible. I don't have Danielle's sort of prescriptive need for those restrictions. This is simply just not my body. And yet I have all of her cookbooks and I make her recipes all the time because they taste good. So this is not just for those of you who need to be grain-free or dairy-free. In fact, it was Danielle who taught me about cashew cream and it is in the highest rotation in my own life as kind of an Alfredo substitute. And I know that sounds crazy. I hear myself saying it and you're like, what are you talking about? I'm just telling you, I love it so much. I put it in my own cookbook. So her food is delicious and she's a delight to follow. Her family's precious. If you go to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, we will have this episode. We will have the show notes and then I'll have links to everything Danielle all of her books, her website, her socials, and then obviously her most recent book, Food Saves Me. And so she is a wonderful voice in the world, beautiful, 
lovely, loyal, just all my favorite things. So thanks for listening, sharing this with any of your friends who, for whom this might be like a really powerful or encouraging message, maybe a little hope lifeline. Danielle has been that for so many people. I can't even tell you. And so be sure to share this with anyone who really might benefit from hearing it. And you guys, thanks for listening every week and for subscribing. Thanks for subscribing to the show. That's wonderful for us. There's so many of you and we love you. Also, thank you for reviewing and rating the show and your comments, your feedback. We read every word because we just want to serve you best. We want to bring you conversations and guests that you love and that you're interested in. And as always, we want this show to be a powerful place of growth and love and joy and even entertainment. And so thanks for being here week in and week out, you guys. All right. So on behalf of Laura and Abby and her whole production team, and of course, Amanda and I, we love you. And it's our delight to bring you the show all the weeks of all the year. All right. See you next week. 